0: Hey everybody, welcome to Redeem Church Online. My name is Elizabeth Vandergan and I am super pumped to be here. Pastor Dave asked me to bring the word on James 2. And to be honest, anytime someone asks me to talk about God, I am like all in. In fact, hardly anybody asks me to talk about God and I'm just talking about God all the time. So this is like a, a just a... A super joy for me to be here today. He has asked me to talk about James 2. He's already talked about uh, James chapter one and has given a great introductory message on the person of James and how the book of James was written. Just to recap, James was the brother of Jesus and he wrote James the book of James. Um, it's sort of like uh, a practical book for how to walk out your faith. And so you're gonna hear a little bit about that, about that today. If you haven't checked out Dave's um, messages already, uh, the introductory chapter and chapter 1, go back and do that. You're going to want to do the, check those out. Those are amazing. Okay, so to get started, get your Bibles, get your notepad, get your coffee. If you don't have those things, push this video uh, on pause and come back and get those things, especially your notepad because I think I, God has given me a visual that I want you to draw and just write all over so that you have it for your own documents, your own memory. Okay, so do a little recap of uh, an overview of James chapter 2. God has really asked me, I think, to focus on part 2 of James 2, but I want to touch on the first part of James 2. So there's two parts of this chapter. The first part is called the sin of partiality. And the second part is called faith without works is dead. So let's do a quick overview of the sin of partiality. What is partiality? Partiality is when you have a judgment towards someone based on external factors and your actions are based on those judgments as if they were true. James is saying there's no place for partiality in the church. And the example he gives is that when people were coming into the assembly, some were saying to the rich and to the wealthy looking all fine and finely dressed, saying, you sit right here in this good place, whereas those coming in who weren't wealthy, you were saying, he was saying, they were saying to them, go stand over there or you sit down at my feet. He's saying, absolutely, there is no place for that in the church. Is this relevant today? Absolutely it is. I read an article that says what partiality can look like today, actually in one way is racism. Are you judging someone based on, based on, on the, and external factors, are you judging someone based on their gender? Are you judging someone based on um, how much money they have? Are you judging Christians uh, by the way that they express themselves in different denominations or express their faith? So there is absolutely no place for partiality in the life of in the life of a of a Christian, and really, there's no place for it in the world. Uh, this this section of James. Uh, chapter two deserves a lot of unpacking Um, but we're that was just sort of a brief overview and I might touch on the sin of partiality again when I talk about the part two but we're gonna we're gonna skip to part two today. Um, Faith without works is dead. I would like to go ahead and read the verses that we're going to be focusing on today so if you'd like to read along it says what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? that faith apart from works is useless? Okay, we're gonna gonna dive into that, but let's go over some terms first. Faith, what do we know about faith? And I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, but remember, it's a gift that is given to us. We've been given a measure of it. We can ask for more. The disciples did in the book of Luke, and we can receive more, and we receive more by hearing the testimonies from others. We receive more from listening to the word. We receive more from the Holy Spirit. The next term, works. The form that is used in this passage is a Greek word called erga, and it's a plural form, meaning it's not just one work and done. It is the continual works of a person with faith, who has faith. And the next term is dead. Okay, let's get one thing straight here. Faith without works is dead. This does not mean that if you don't have works, your faith, you've lost your salvation. No, 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 no. Dead here, think of this you've sort of stalled out. If you're not working out your faith, you've stalled out. Perhaps you have uh, wavered in your thinking. Maybe you've got one foot in the world and one foot in, the ch- in walking with Christ and believing in Christ. Um, perhaps you're just not, you're, 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 your, battery's, your battery's gone, okay? So it's not, I wanna be real clear here, you have not lost your salvation if, you ha- if you're not working out your faith. It's just perhaps dead or stalled out. Okay, the next thing about faith, it is a process. James, 22, uh, James 2, 22 says, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. So that verse is talking about Abraham and so what we know is that faith is a process it starts with the belief and it goes to completion and this is what I'm going to be excited to preach on today I'm calling this sermon the Flow charts of faith or a friend gave me another good title the faith continuum if you will so I have a visual and I would like to bring that up to you now I love this visual because you have this visual in your home okay this is called well it's a clock but this is the faith continuum or the flow chart of faith. So this clock represents your faith. It starts with the belief. It's ne- the next on the continuum goes to action or the works. Uh, then finally, or then into the purposes which God will have for you and for others, and then the ble- and then finally a blessing. Dave talked about in his last sermon that after you've been through trials and tribulations and you've persevered and you've ran the race, you kind of graduate. Right, so that's gonna be, think of that as the blessing. Right, and so at any point when you step off of this faith continuum, anytime you get out, perhaps you have a belief but you don't do anything about it, think of it as when you take the battery out. You take the battery out, the hands are gonna stop moving. You haven't lost your salvation, It just perhaps you've stalled out on one part of this continuum. We'll go back to this. Okay, so to illustrate this point, there are two stories that, uh, two people that James, The the, the highlights in this chapter. It is the story of Abraham, which is going to be found in Genesis 22, and Rahab, which is in Joshua 2. I'm not going to go uh, and read those stories in its entirety, but go back and and double check what I'm saying. I'm also going to tell you my story, part of my story, and how what my life looked like, what Abraham's life looked like, and and, (laughs) Rahab's life looked like on this faith continuum. Okay, so starting with belief. Abraham was called right in Genesis 12 God says to him go from that country to the land that I show you I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing okay so he had a calling God gave him a belief to follow he had he learned to trust in God right and at a time when he was an old man and his wife was barren and they wanted children didn't have any children God gave him a promise that they would conceive So how is this going to happen? They thought it was impossible, but God was faithful. They had Isaac at the age of 99. He had a history of trusting in God, and so for him, believing um, was a a natural part of his life and acting on uh, what God was saying. Rahab, okay? She's living in Jericho. She was a lady of the night, and she has heard a lot of things about God. She heard that the land of Canaan would be given over to Israel and believed it, and she had heard that God parted the Red Sea and that he had truly made a way for the Israelites. She had this belief. She, she does, not talk, does not talk about her conversion at, at this part of the story, but she did fear God and she did believe he was going to fulfill his promises to the Israelites. Okay, my story. I was having a difficult time in my marriage. My husband and I are having a difficult time in my marriage. I was, have a hard, I was having a hard time believing that our marriage could work out. I know the experiences of, I know the promises of God. I've had a lifetime of hearing about them and learning about them. And I've had some experience walking out my faith. I was hearing the things like Rahab did about God. But when it came to my marriage, the pain was so great that I wasn't convinced that what I knew about God and what, believed about, what I believed about God was, was going to work for me in my marriage. John and I were struggling. We had three kids super fast. We were essentially newly married and we had habitual sin in our lives. We were walking the fence with one foot in the world. All right, the next point on the faith continuum, action. We're going to, go, we're going to start back with Abraham. Abraham tells him um, in Genesis 22, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt sacrifice on the mountain of which I tell you. Say what? You want me to do what? That's kind of the subtitle of this uh, message that I have. You want me to go and sacrifice my only son? He trusts in God. The journey to Moriah is three days. So he had, he had all kinds of opportunities to back out. They had to uh, make preparations. He takes his servants with him. He takes his son Isaac up there to Mount, to Mount Moriah. He has to build an, an altar and he sets Isaac upon it. Remember, he has this belief and trust in God. He believed that God was going to provide an offering for the sacrifice. Rahab, what was her action? Okay, so she plays a part in the story of Joshua, Joshua's mission. Joshua was told that he was going to get the land of Canaan. And so Joshua sent two spies in to the city of Jericho, kind of checking things out. So I'm like team army, right? Um, I was in the army. So to think of this as like a special forces recon mission. These spies are in there. Who knows how long they were in Jericho, but they found lodging at, at a brothel. So Rahab, uh, the king finds out that these two men are in Jericho spying things out. Rahab gets an idea of who these two men are. She hides them on top of her roof underneath some flax. When the king's men come for them, she lies to them and she says, nope, they've already left. Better go run and catch them. Then she lets these two men safely out of the brothel. She also gives them very specific instructions. She says to them, go and hide for three days, making sure that the king's men don't find you. And the third thing that she did was she kept her promise that she would um, help with this mission, right? So Joshua says, I promise you that if you hang a red rope outside of your window, that we will save you and your family. Just make sure that you and your family are in this place, when we come into Jericho. So she does that. That's her action. That's her works, right? Okay, so my story. My husband and I are now at this point in our marriage, we're separated. We are headed for divorce. We're living in two different homes. And to be honest, I, I, I actually felt this was the right thing to do. Um, in my quiet time with the Lord, this is a huge point. Don't miss this. Where do you get your action steps? from the Lord. You don't get your action steps from your friends. You don't get your action steps from TV. You don't get your action steps. If if you want to move in the way in, in the, where God wants you to go, you need to get your action steps from the Lord himself. And that's what I was doing. I was abiding in Christ. I was reading my Bible. Yes, I'm separated, so it doesn't kind of feel like I'm truly walking in the right ways. But God says to me, get your family back together. I'm like, say what? You want me to do what? I have just done all of this to get out of this bad situation no i i believed in god and i had tried everything already and so what else could i do but to believe in him so i tell john and he says okay let's go to counseling we go to counseling god does his work in our hearts i don't know how he did it we're back in the same home we cancel the divorce process and now we are starting to just lean in on god to see how he is truly going to heal our marriage Matthew 6 6 says this is very important in the action step when you pray go to your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen and your father who is unseen your father who sees in secret will reward you what are these rewards Genesis 15:1 says he is your shield Psalm 25 says he gives you instruction. He wants intimacy with you. He wants you to get the game plan from him. Go into your secret place. I even created a prayer closet so that I could faithfully uh, follow his call to abide in him. Okay, moving on to the purposes in our faith continuum. Like I mentioned before, there are going to be purposes for you and there are going to be purposes for others. For Abraham, one of the purposes God had for for testing him and asking him to do these things was to see if he feared the Lord. Another really really cool uh, purpose was that why okay why would God ask him to sacrifice his only son? Well, you know what? It was common practice for people to offer up their children as sacrifice. So what he is actually doing in this in this. Um, in this uh, example, is he's actually saying, no, I don't agree with child sacrifice. I forbid it, I am going to provide another offering for you. And so in Leviticus um, chapter 20, it says regarding child sacrifice, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech shall surely be put to death. God does not want this to happen, and he uses the very thing to make people understand that he does not want child sacrifice. He will provide another way. Rahab, in the purposes, she she enables Joshua's mission to come to fruition. She she was used in that. Her family was also saved from judgment. Anyone who was at the brothel at that time, hunkering down with her, they were saved. Um, We'll learn later in the blessings um, more of Rahab's story and which is part of her purposes, right? But in my story, okay, it's obvious when you get your when you come back together and heal, get your marriage back together, your family comes back together. Amazing purposes for your children. We have uh, increased faith and trust in God. We know that when He says to do something, that He means business and that there's a reason for it. Now, because I have seen Him heal our marriage, I have. I have such reverence and fear of God. I trust him. And, I, and, the, and, the, and the Bible says that those who fear him become friends with God. So now when I go into this abiding place, Dave talks about this. He prepare, In his last message, he prepares you. He gives you the instruction that you need so that you're not caught off guard. Okay, He gives you what you need before the enemy is going to attack. Okay, and the last part is um, the blessing at the nine of your clock. So in the faith continuum. The blessings for Abraham. Isaac was saved. This was a child that was promised to him and the son that Abraham loved very much. Genesis 22:15 15 through 18 says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars on the sky and the sand on the, sea, on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Such an amazing outcome for Abraham's faith, his works. Rahab, she was eventually integrated with Israel. Check this out. She marries Salmon. Together they had Boaz. Boaz marries Ruth. Together they have Obed. Obed is the grandfather of King David, and we know that Jesus came from the line of King David. Rahab is an ancestor of Jesus. Her purposes were so great. So much blessing for Rahab. My story. I've seen my marriage become healed in the hands of God. I have increased confidence in God. I actually have a testimony now. My husband and I have a testimony. We can say to other people who are hurting in their marriage that, hey, God is gonna give you the way out. He is gonna heal you. This is a big fact, a big truth you need to know for anyone suffering in their marriage. God cares so much about your husband's sanctification. He cares so much about your wife's sanctification that honestly, you can just relax and trust that God is going to heal that person and that he is going to heal you. We, st- we went to counseling. We had great counselors along the way, but there was some point when I made a, a choice. God, I am giving my marriage over to you, and all this energy that I have had for trying to heal and work out my marriage, I am going to pour into my church and pour into my community. I'm going to serve, and I just know that, hey, you've got my marriage. You've got it under control. That is the blessing that he has given to me and my family. So in transition, you... Uh, <laughs> and transition. We're going to transition now. Uh, You've heard these three examples. You've heard Abraham's story, you've heard Rahab's story, and you've heard part of my story. There's a big reason not to show partiality here. You don't know what people are going through. When you look at someone's faith walk, you have no idea what's uh, going on in their hearts. Judging someone by their actions, they may have just gotten off of the continuum. They may have a belief in God, but they may not know how, know quite how to act it out. James 22 says uh, it says of Abraham again, You see that your faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. This process will make sense to you. I'm if, I'm sure it does make sense to you if you are drawing near to God. James 4:8 says, "Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you." In this quiet in the quiet time you have with God, he's going to give you all the instruction that you need for acting it out. Since then, because I've had so much uh I've learned to trust God that when he says to do sometimes really crazy things, I'm like, "Okay, Okay, there's gonna be a purpose in this, there's gonna be a blessing. Here's a, here's a little example, and I think we have time for this. God asked me to stop drinking. I was not an alcoholic. I, I had a glass of wine at dinner. I, when my husband got home, I enjoyed ha- making dinner and having a glass of wine. Probably for a year and a half, two years, God was saying, Elizabeth, stop drinking why God? I really love wine. In fact, I used to work at a winery and I used to give wine tours and I prided myself on knowing which bottle was the best bottle uh, to bring to a dinner. I I loved the taste, but God said, no, I didn't have to want to stop drinking wine. I just had to obey him. And he was relentless about it because his grace He has so much grace for you. He wants to see your faith completed. He wants to give you purposes. He wants to give you a blessing. So it's been six months and it was one of the hardest things I did to stop drinking wine, but it's been six months and I can see it. Really what God was showing me in this process is that if I am using anything to cope, If I am having that glass of wine to de-stress or feel like I've made it through the day, he wants more for me. And so um, I will say that it's been about six months and I've seen some other purposes come out of this, but my husband and I just celebrated our seventh anniversary and we were able to have a glass of wine together and it felt great. It felt like a celebration. So I'm not, this is just what he is saying to me. And it, it is kind of a crazy thing to say, especially when you don't think that you necessarily have an issue or a problem. So be thinking about that too. Maybe God, is just telling you to stop doing little things or to start doing little things because he has an amazing blessing prepared for you. So let's recap. Let's go over the faith uh, flow chart, the faith continuum. So again, the faith, the clock represents faith, belief. What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus died for you to save you from your sin? Do you believe that God is a healer? Do you believe that he is a provider? Do you believe that he is always with you? what do you believe? This is a a heart check right now. What do you believe and what aren't you believing that the Bible says is true? Action. What is your game plan? How are you getting your instruction for living? Are you abiding in him? Are you in that secret place? He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to give you instruction for life. Turn off the TV, Don't get your instruction from the Kardashians like I used to do about how to decorate your house or something. Hunker down and be with the Lord. Have you taken out the battery? Are you stalled out in this action step? You can get back on the continuum at any point. And the purpose is, if you haven't acted or if you've not worked out your faith or worked out your faith, put your trust in God's plan. You're not going to know the Jeremiah 29:11 stuff if you are not acting out your faith, if you are not working. Jeremiah 29:11, which is my life verse, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. James is saying don't give up. I heard a commenter write, a commentator write, works is like the breath of the body. Without works it's just a body. But God knows your heart. If your heart's been trampled on, he's not asking you, he's not going to ask you to do these crazy wild things. Someone else gave me this example. Think of an 80 year old man who is weak. Are you going to go and ask him to mow the to mow the lawn? No. God knows your heart, He is going to ask you to do the things that are right for you, that are good for you. At any point, like I said, you can get back onto the continuum. We get to hear him. We get to obey him. As believers, we have this instruction. We have communication and relationship with the Holy Spirit to guide us through life. It is such an honor to be able to hear him and it's such an honor to be able to obey him. We have purpose. Our spiritual formation will continue until our last day on earth and or until the day until the day of the Lord comes run your race Hebrew 12 1 says therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us and back to James James 1 4 and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect And complete and lacking in nothing. Let this sermon, this very first sermon of mine, be an example to you. God gave me a a crazy vision about a year and a half ago. It looked something like this. This is—I have not shown this picture publicly. It looked like a a woman speaker. I didn't know how that was going to happen. I was in my quiet time with him. He says, "Start a podcast." Started a podcast. My friend Kurt asked me to do announcements at church. I do announcements at church now. Now we do a midweek podcast. In fact, you might recognize my voice from the midweek podcast that we do at Redeem. We have more episodes coming. I, I just trusted in the little things he was saying to do. God has a vision. He has given you a vision. Maybe he has a vision for you to be completely sober. Maybe he has a vision for you to write a book maybe he has a vision for you to start recording those songs maybe he has a vision for you to get your marriage back together heal your friendships follow the plans that he is going to give you i would like to to close in prayer um i don't know if you're going to shut your eyes but i'm going to shut my eyes because i want this for you I want, first and foremost, let's just pray, uh, Heavenly Father, that if there's someone listening that does not have a belief yet in you, but wants to believe in you, and wants to receive instruction from you, wants to know their purpose that you have for them, Father God, would you just show yourself to them? Would you soften their hearts? Would you come into their heart and just say, here I am. I, I love you. I created you. If there's another person out there who was stalled, their battery is out. They have belief in you, but they believe in God, but they they just have not acted, and they're stalled out. Lord, would you give them the action plan? Would you remind them that they can come back onto the faith flow chart, the faith continuum, at any point? If you've already run your race, and maybe you just feel uh, a lack of energy. Lord, would you give the listeners a vision of the blessing and the purposes to come so that they can keep running. I will tell you in my own journey, there was a time where I was just like, what have I, what have I, that vision wasn't from you, Lord, that was something I made up in my head. And I just, you know, God just showed me just patience, just patience, trust in me, trust it. It's going to come to fruition if you put your trust in me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the book of James. Thank you for the practical. Um, ways it gives us to act out our faith thank you that you're telling us that faith can be completed in us and that there is a process to this and that it's all for the purpose of becoming more like christ it's all for the purpose of knowing more about who you are father god thank you so much for um, your word and we love you and we trust you amen thank you so much for uh, checking out this sermon It was my very first sermon. Thank you for being gracious. I love you all. Be blessed.